You're listening to the Social Selling Simplified Podcast. Stick around if you too are obsessed with learning things that actually work and believe that success leaves clues. We're all about identifying results-producing roadmaps and getting super clear on how to scale and grow your online business. From part-timer to president, social selling expert Ashley Shaw will help you connect the dots and take the guesswork out of what works to grow a social selling empire. It's time to hear from social selling legends, listen in on truthful conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks to reduce the marketing overwhelm so you can build the social selling business of your dreams. If you're ready to go all in, no holding back, and build the business you've always wanted, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, social selling guru, and fitness industry OG, Ashley Shaw. Welcome to Social Selling Simplified. I'm your host, Ashley Shaw, and we're going to dive into podcasts today. If you have ever been thinking about podcasting, this episode is definitely, definitely for you. On today's episode, I'm interviewing Melissa Guller, and she is just absolutely an expert and genius around profitable podcasting. She's produced multiple podcasts, and I learned so much from talking to her. Like, I left our conversation and just felt so positive about the impact that podcasting can make in your business and the things that will really make podcasting possible for you in your business. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did because it was definitely one I was just taking notes nonstop. Listen in and get ready to be so jazzed about podcasting. Hey coach, this week's episode is sponsored by something I like to call my secret weapon and I want it to be yours too. If you're not getting engagement on your posts and you're not sure why, or you wanna find challengers and coaches, but they're not coming to you and you don't know what you're doing wrong, or you want the shortcut to growing your coaching business fast, but feel like there's something keeping you from gaining momentum, my ideal customer cheat sheet is designed specifically for you. You can post pretty pictures with great captions, but if you're not talking directly to your ideal customer, you won't get what you're looking for. My ideal customer cheat sheet contains a process most coaches have never even heard of, and it will help you get crystal clear on exactly who your ideal customer is and how to talk to them. That's what makes this your new secret weapon to slowing the scroll for immediate engagement. Go check it out at ashleyshaw.ca slash ICCS. Melissa, welcome to Social Selling Simplified. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited to jump into all things podcasting, and I'm really glad that you're here today. So thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Yeah, I'm honored to be here. And I know you just passed 100 episodes, which is no small feat. So a huge congrats to you too. If I could tell you, oh my gosh, like when the idea of podcasting came across my plate, I was at a mastermind and I just put up my hand like, yeah, okay, I'll start a podcast, not really knowing what it would entail. And I mean, a lot of things, the fulfillment that comes with it of actually putting in, wow, a hundred episodes, like two years of podcasting. It was kind of crazy when that all happened, but it's so fulfilling to be able to serve people in a totally different way. So um, I'm really excited to talk about who podcasting is for and all the things. But first, I want to jump into a bit of your story 
and how you came to do what you do and how podcasting and teaching podcasting became your thing. So I actually started off by teaching and then the podcasting came second. So I live in New York and I was teaching in-person classes at General Assembly, very nerdy stuff, Excel workshops, and I really loved it. And after doing that for a little while, I started to build up my own side business. And once you get into the world of digital marketing, earning money online, it just opens so many doors and possibilities. And I had the thought, maybe I would want to start a podcast for the first time in maybe like 2015, I have written down, but it wasn't until three years later in 2018 that I actually took the plunge. And I think what held me back was just the fear of putting myself out there. Like, of course, Mm -hmm. the tech I think is very daunting, but just Mm -hmm. the thought of putting out a podcast, my friends and family knowing about it, no one else that I knew had a podcast at the time. It was all pretty intimidating. And looking back on it, even though now I've hosted several podcasts, produced well over hundred episodes, and some of my podcasts have hit the charts in different categories. It's just crazy to think about how far not only I've evolved as a podcast host and producer, but also how much the industry has changed over the last few years. So to kind of fast forward to where I am now, I launched these different podcasts. I had the pleasure of working for both Ramit Sethi of I Will Teach You To Be Rich and Teachable behind the scenes. So Mm -hmm. I knew what it was like to run an online business. And I always dreamed about having my own. And so when I thought about what I could help people with, specifically women, it felt like podcasting could be the perfect way to marry what I knew as a podcast host and producer, Mm -hmm. my teaching skills, and my digital marketing experience as the director of marketing Mm -hmm. from Teachable. So it felt Mm -hmm. like that could be a great place to start. And then Mm -hmm. a little over two years later, now Wit & Wire is what I do full-time. I help women launch and grow their own podcasts. And now slowly starting to move into helping them have their own online businesses as well. It's just been an honor to hear about all the podcasts that they start truly on anything from witchcraft to parenting to interspecies communication. You can start a podcast on absolutely anything. And I'm excited to dive into all the hot questions that I'm sure listeners might have today about running their own podcast. Love it. I love how you brought up this idea that it really can be anything and there are no limitations here. You know, there is a podcast for everyone. Like, so I'm a crime junkie. I love crime shows, but I had to listen to a bunch of different ones to really find the one that spoke to me most. And that's why I think sometimes when we think, oh, there's already a podcast on, you know, health and fitness or holistic nutrition or this and that, like there is literally one for everyone. And the more that you can really nail who that ideal customer is and really speak to them. Like there's just, there's room for everybody at this table. So I think it's, yeah, I don't know, just being a crime junkie really opened my eyes to that. How many, you know, like how the host talks, their personality, like how much that plays into all those things that attract people. What's your favorite podcast just while we're talking about this? Oh, it's so hard to pick because I do it professionally. (laughs) So I always feel like that's a bit of a Sophie's choice for me. And I will say, I listen to podcasts, not as a hobby, because Mm -hmm. I listen to a couple shows a day and usually one Mm -hmm. or two episodes each, whether it's Mm -hmm. to learn a new skill or because I'm studying a podcast. So I'm going to plead the fifth, but I will still give an answer on the first podcast that hooked me into the world of podcasts, which was Startup by Gimlet Media. And it was a narrative style podcast that took you behind the scenes as he was actually creating his own business, Gimlet Media. Mm -hmm. 
it's a little bit meta because he was starting up a podcast production company, but the mm-hmm. narrative style has always been my favorite mm-hmm. kind of podcast to listen to, although mm-hmm. it's certainly the most expensive, both in time and money to produce. Mm-hmm. But I love startup and I would definitely recommend it. Cool. Love it. All right. So let's talk first about who podcasting is for, because the listeners that are going to be out there hearing what we're talking about today, this is like the typical situation is that it feels like social media has become really crowded at times. And it feels hard to stand out for a number of reasons. But I think one thing that really can play into that is the algorithm. And if you're not paying to play in social media, sometimes it can feel like you're invisible and it is really hard to stand out. So when it comes to this space of being an online business, when is a good time to start a podcast and who is it really for? A great question. First, I want to address the question about being invisible and is it too crowded and is it too late to get into podcasting? Because I hear that a lot. And I love what you mentioned earlier about sifting through all of your different crime shows to find the one that was right for you. Today, if you're getting started as a new podcast host, I think you have a huge advantage because you've seen what works well for shows that you like. And the technology has never been friendlier to get into podcasting than it is right now. And so when you look around and you see everybody and their mom literally starting a podcast on your topic, it's easy to say, oh, it's overcrowded. Oh, I shouldn't get started. But really, that just validates demand for the topic. And the most successful podcasts that I see continue to start launching even today in 2021 when we're recording this are not creating a brand new topic from scratch. It's just that they have their own personality, their own point of view, and they have something to say about a topic and probably saying it in a way that is not necessarily being met. And I think the other element of this, you mentioned the algorithm, is that sometimes I know I do this. I undervalue my own skills. Because when I go on social media, what I see are people mirroring the things that I've searched for or the things that I'm an expert in. And so often it actually feels like it's so loud. It's so chaotic. Everyone is talking about my thing, but that's a bias. That is the algorithm serving you what they think you want. And I'm always shocked when people comment on, to me, what are the simplest things that I've mentioned in different episodes or in my courses and mind blowing to them. So I think we undervalue our skills and overestimate how saturated the market is. But there are still under or just around 2 million podcasts and 600 million blogs. But nobody is saying, should I not start a blog these days? So I think podcasting is actually at a sweet spot where it's very buzzy. Everyone's talking about podcasting and more people are starting to listen to podcasts, but it's actually far less crowded than most people believe. Oh, I love that. That's just a really great way to think about the space for everyone and, you know, that bias that sometimes you forget, right? You just get on, you boot it up on social media and you're like, yeah, everyone's just talking about the same stuff I am. So mm-hmm. I love that. I know you asked about when somebody should start a podcast. And I also think yeah. that is an excellent question. I don't want to miss. I mm-hmm. think there are two different strategies you can have mm-hmm. going into your new podcast. Strategy Mm -hmm. number one is if you already have some kind of established business, social media presence, or you're a subject matter expert, like you wrote a book or professionally in your career, you are known for something. I think Mm -hmm. starting a podcast can make sense for you to build on what you have already started. But if you have no audience, I actually think a podcast can serve you in a different way, which is more of a playground to learn what parts of your expertise or your passions resonate with people. And I think there are huge advantages to starting out in anonymity. 
nobody is looking at you. It's okay if you mess up. It's okay if your first few episodes maybe don't match the expectations of what you hope they will look like someday. So I think there's just two different starting points and both are valid, but they are very different. And if you don't have an existing audience, I don't think it's reasonable, nor would I want to lie to anybody and say, oh yeah, definitely. You're going to get thousands of listeners overnight from your podcast because podcasts don't go viral the way that other algorithm-based platforms can help people go viral. However, I think that podcasting is more of a long-term game. It's a relationship building game. And so just understanding that depending on your audience size going into it, that will affect your early download numbers. What do you think is the best way when you are first getting started, you're going to put yourself out there. You're like you said, not too worried because you know, it's going to take some time to build up this audience all about the long game. How do you market your podcast? What are the best ways to get more listeners? I think this depends a lot on who your listener is. And to me, growing a podcast is very similar to building up a blog or building up a business. And there is no inherent algorithm in Apple or Spotify. The way that I discover podcasts, and Ashley, I'm curious how you discover shows, Mm -hmm. is not usually by going to Apple and searching for something. Like, How do you typically find new podcasts? This is a funny question for me now. I'm going to have to think about this. So probably in two ways. Like, I probably am that person sometimes that would go to Apple and be like, I want to learn about mindset and the brain today and like how those two things are intertwined. And I will look for something different with, you know, with somebody I haven't heard of, or I'll go to the key people I always listen to and find something, or, you know, I'll throw something in Google. Those are probably the three ways. That's exactly it. I do think that some people like you, maybe they do go to the app. Maybe they say, do you know what? I really want a podcast about this Mm -hmm. topic. But more often than that, I find somebody I like on the internet and then I realize that they have a podcast Mm -hmm. or I Google something Mm -hmm. and then the answer happens to be a show notes post on somebody's website. I click on it. Oh, look, they have a podcast. That's so interesting. Let me check it out. And the reason why I bring that up when it comes to marketing is because a lot of the strategies we're already using to build our businesses or to build our online presence apply to podcasting. But where I think most Mm -hmm. people get it wrong is as a podcast host, it's easy to say, how do I grow my podcast? But for a lot of us, we're coaches, we have our own products or services that we're selling. Our big picture question, I think should always be, how do I build my overall business? And I bring it up because some people find my podcast in a lot of different organic ways. For example, Pinterest is actually one of the top traffic sources to my podcast and to my business overall. I also rank for a lot of different keywords for Witten Wire's website because I put a lot of uh, research into doing some keyword research-based blog posts and podcast episodes. But then on top of that, people may find me because I run a paid Instagram ad to a masterclass. Or maybe I'm on somebody else's podcast and then they learn about me. And so what I do is in some of the first communications they get from me via email marketing, which is a huge component of my business, I bring up podcast episodes. And I think one of the major advantages to being a podcaster is that the content that we're creating is evergreen. It can last a long time. And so on the one hand, maybe, yeah, it's shorter to create a reel. It takes longer to create a podcast episode. But the overall lifetime of each Mm -hmm. podcast episode is so much longer. And you can use it in strategies like SEO or Pinterest, or six months later, maybe you email it out to your list. So for example, my welcome sequence, when a new subscriber joins my email list, maybe I send them some of my top podcast episodes. Maybe I include links to them in some of the PDFs or the freebies for my business. I'm constantly working in mentions of my podcast in all parts of what I do. 
because I see it as such a great way to build relationships with people and really show off my expertise. So it may not be the place that people find me, but it's the place that people come to know is their go-to spot to learn more about podcasting or online business from me. Just gave me a huge light bulb moment. Um, I am not your typical love to crank out getting in the zone and just making a bunch of reels. And I've never like really put together, like I am a person that loves to create a welcome email and automate that baby for, you know, years to come, whatever it may be, right? Like I like to do it once, do it, you know, a really great job of it, but then let it fly on autopilot. And I think for a lot of people, they spend a ton of time. Like if they were to look on their phone and figure it out, how much time are you spending creating reels and creating, let's say Insta stories or all the flashy things that get put out there? It's a ton of time. And exactly what you said, it is something that is not everlasting. Like unless it like, let's say you get a reel that goes viral and it lasts for a certain period of time, or you become a meme. Like, let's just say that happens. But podcasting, you're so right. It is just evergreen content that really, when you add it up, probably takes you less time, but just lasts for so long. So I think that's such a great point. I'm glad. And I have one other social media tip specifically, because I've noticed that there are two different strategies that hosts use to promote their episodes. And one is far more effective. Mm -hmm. So what I see a lot of podcast hosts doing, no matter which social media platforms you might be using, is they basically do what I call a billboard post. Here is my episode. Here's the image of my episode. Maybe it's me and my guest. Here's the title of my episode. And then your caption. Maybe it talks about what's in the episode, but from image to link to caption, The whole point of this post is just listen to my episode. And Mm -hmm. I believe that the reason why those don't work is because there's nothing in it for your follower. But I Mm -hmm. see so many people continuing to put them out. I think because they're easier. I think it's because what people frankly are selling templates for, and I'm not saying that you can't promote your own episodes, but what's worked better for me and most of my students is to instead take something from the episode and then turn it into content. That could be as simple as a quote because quotes historically do well on all of social media and that hasn't changed. Or it could be that you create a reel or a TikTok or a LinkedIn post, depending on who your audience is, with just one tip and then say, for more, you can listen. And I think Mm -hmm. the biggest difference is that I imagine the social media post as a standalone piece of content. Somebody should get value out of that post itself without having to listen to the whole episode. And I think that builds trust and actually gets more people to want to listen to your episode. But also never forget that especially platforms like Instagram are engineered to keep people in their app. It's very hard to get people to leave. But if you build a good relationship and they see you as valuable, they'll find you. They'll go to your profile. They'll search in their app for your podcast. So don't try to force it. Don't make it about you. Give them value and they will seek you out. You know, it's funny you say that because before we started recording this episode, I was checking you out. And that was one thing that really stood out to me on your profile about how you had taken content from your podcast. Exactly like you're saying, it was standalone and it instantly caught my attention versus that, like you're saying, typical, like, hey, come check out what I'm doing. It's all about me. It's like, it's about your ideal customer. So yeah, great connection there. Totally makes sense. Okay. So you've covered some really interesting concepts. Let's talk a little bit more about keywords and what you find is the process that really helps you save time. Because we know with 
keywords and when we're creating everything from email subject lines to headlines, like so much of it is about, you know, on one hand, creating the hook when you're writing those, um, those subject lines, if anyone is going to read it, but SEO is like the exact same thing. Like if anyone is going to find this content or not, what does that look like in terms of keyword? And I know it can be quite detailed in terms of the, you know, the research and those sort of things, but what tips do you have for those that might just be getting started with SEO? I would say the overall best advice I can give about SEO is that the whole purpose that a search engine serves is to put the best possible content in front of the person searching. Like that is their goal. And so everything that Google has been programmed to do is all of them making their best guess about what works for humans. Even if you don't know that much about SEO, if you think about what could make a good post for a real human being, it's thinking about what are they searching for? If they clicked onto your post or your episode, what answers would they expect to find? What would they expect to learn? And how can you give them a robust answer to that question? That's what search engine optimization really comes down to. And there are so many technical things about domain authority and all, I mean, hours and hours of things we don't have time for. But when it comes to very simple place that you can begin as a podcast host is that some, but not necessarily all of your episodes, I think benefit from choosing a keyword research topic. A cheap tool that I like is called Keywords Everywhere. It is $10. Mm. It's a Chrome extension. You can activate it. And that way, when you make a search in Google, it'll actually tell you things like, what is the search volume for this term? What are other similar, it's called long tail keywords, which have more words and phrases typically. And that way you can see if it's something that people are searching for. Another free tool I like is called answerthepublic.com. And if you type anything into answer the public, it'll start to give you questions with all the different starting question words, who, what, when, where, why, how, about what people are looking for. And both of these tools, I think, get to the heart of finding a topic that listeners are interested in. That's what it should come down to for both your podcast and your business is that you are ultimately solving someone's problem. And so you want to make sure that you are solving the problem that they know that they have. And that means things like, what are the words they are using to identify their problem versus what do you think the problem is? Because maybe I think that people don't know which XLR mic to use, but in reality, none of you have a clue what an XLR microphone is. And you want to know what is the best podcast microphone for beginners. That's the long tail keyword that I rank for, I think as number one or two for Wit & Wire. And so there's a lot that can go into SEO. But just to give people something that's actionable and useful that you can do very literally today is I would just use either one of those tools, which are free or $10, even just search in Google and go to the bottom and see what they suggest as other searches. Same thing with Pinterest, which is a search engine. YouTube is a search engine. Go into those things, start your little search, see what things are suggested. Those are hints that people are searching for certain things. And if you can create a podcast episode that addresses that, that's going to be a starting point to help you start to grow over time. That is gold. When you are talking about these keywords, I've used both of those, like answerthepublic.com is one of my favorites. Is this something that you would use for other things as well? Like if you were going to create your next freebie or something like that, this can be a tool that helps solve a lot of those questions. Yeah. I love that question because although we're talking mm -hmm. about podcasting, mm -hmm. a lot of us have more going on, right? We have our businesses to think about. And so when I find a keyword that I think is important to address, I don't usually go into it thinking, okay, what am I going to make a podcast episode about? Instead, I try to do keyword research a little bit more broadly. And then I ask myself, what kind of content serves this keyword? 
because sometimes mm-hmm. it could be a podcast episode, but other times maybe a video is better. Other times, maybe just a blog post with a really mm-hmm. simple one, two, three, four clear outline of steps that somebody should follow. And sometimes there could be overlap. And I want to be clear. I'm not saying everyone should start a podcast and a blog and a YouTube mm-hmm. channel. Definitely not what I mean. But I think that knowing which channels you're working with can influence which keywords make sense for you to address. And ultimately, if you have a podcast episode, let's say on podcast microphones for beginners, something to know about SEO is that they really only want you to have one piece of content about that. So if I had a blog post that used that keyword, if I wanted to make a podcast episode about it, I wouldn't make a new blog post. I would probably embed that episode in my existing blog post. So you want to drive Google to one core place on your website per keyword. So maybe that helps give people a sense of a starting Mm. point. And I'll also add that not every episode has to be keyword researched. I do think that including keyword research is crucial to make sure you're hitting on what people are looking for. But sometimes you just have a topic that you know is on your mind and that you know will resonate because you know your audience really well. And so not every single one of the episodes I put out is about a keyword. And sometimes I think that you just have to know that it's not going to be the one that ranks in Google. And that's more than fine because people already know about your podcast and they will still love that episode and they'll still connect with you. And that's ultimately what could help you make the sale. What are the metrics that you feel are most important when you are starting to build your podcast? What are the things you should actually pay attention to? Another great question. I love to talk about data all day and every day. (laughs) And I think with podcasting in particular, it's easy to get caught up in a lot of the dashboards that your podcast hosting platform can give you. Not to get too technical, but your hosting platform is the tool that you'll use to actually schedule your episodes and then encode them into what's called an RSS feed, which Apple and Spotify and all the other apps can use to show all of your episodes. So just never fear. You don't have to put them in each app individually. You just put them in one place. But when it comes to analytics, what I like to look at is not just downloads, but downloads over time. And then a couple of specific places to look. When you hear the term download, it makes you think, does somebody have to actually download this file to my computer? And the answer is no. It's just the way that the industry has always referred to a listen. And the specific definition is that if somebody streams the episode for at least 60 seconds, it counts as a download. And downloads are important, but they also are relative, I believe, to your own success. We talked about audiences at the beginning. And if you're coming into it and you already have a pretty well-established blog or a YouTube channel or a business, your starting download numbers may be higher than somebody who is starting from scratch. So I don't think it's as important to look at the download number you have on day one. It's more important to look at trends over time. So I'm always looking at month-to-month growth for the podcast. But then also to get kind of specific, I always look at my individual episode analytics because imagine that you have a hundred episodes out, like Ashley, right? If you just look at downloads every single day, if Ashley had a thousand downloads today, you don't know which episodes those go to out of all 100 in the catalog. And so although it's helpful to see downloads going up because that could indicate overall growth, it masks the success of individual episodes. For example, I have one episode of Witten Wires podcast that went viral on Pinterest. And because I can see individual episode statistics, I can see that that episode gets hundreds of downloads every single month, even when I do absolutely nothing to promote it. So I think being able to see the big picture of how are these downloads growing over time is important, but then being able to see which episodes of mine are succeeding. And not only that, but why are they succeeding? Were they featured on a Spotify playlist? Did it go viral on Pinterest? 
Is it one that I talk about in my welcome sequence? Is it my very first episode, which for most podcasts will always be one of your top downloaded episodes? I think that those trends can really give you more information on what kind of topics to keep talking about. Okay. So you would look at your downloads over time to make sure that you are consistently growing, like people are consistently listening to your material and what you're putting out there. And then you're going to focus more episode specific to see what trends you can find there and what's working and what things may have gone viral or where you're including those in your sequences. Exactly. And you'll see a few other stats in the dashboards about what geographic location your listeners are located in or which app Mm -hmm. are they using to listen or are they listening on mobile versus desktop. And I honestly don't pay too much attention to those because I think that's more indicative of the industry Like what app do people use to listen to a podcast? To me, that's more indicative of where people are at with their own personal preferences. But I think it's noteworthy. And I think where that comes into play with your metrics is the fact that it's very hard to guess how many listeners you have. So Mm -hmm. on other platforms, I think YouTube is the best comparison. You can see how many subscribers a channel has, and that's public. But what's interesting about podcasting is that none of those metrics are public. You can't see how many listeners there are. And in fact, it's very hard to calculate because they're on Apple and Spotify and a dozen other apps. So your hosting platform will kind of guess and they have proprietary calculations behind the scenes to try to guess at how many listeners you have. But it really is just that. It's an estimate. And so I do still look at that number to see if it's going up over time. But what is nice about podcasting is that you don't see subscriber counts. You don't see download counts. And I think that that actually makes it easier for new podcasts to break in And something I will say that matters is reviews. And I don't think they matter for the algorithm. A few years ago, Apple talked about reviews in relation to rankings. But within the last year, they've disclosed that honestly, the reviews don't really affect your ability to surface in the charts that much. However, if I see a new podcast and they don't have any reviews, that gives me a little bit of a red flag. I shouldn't say a new podcast. If I see a podcast that already has 30 episodes released and they don't have even five reviews on the podcast. It just doesn't reflect well on the popularity of that show. So if you can even get 20 reviews on your podcast, you'll be way above average. Ashley has a way higher than average number of amazing reviews from all of you listeners. And it makes her show look legit because it is. And I'm sure that that's helped you grow over time. These are two perfect segues to the other two questions I have. So what do kind of answered it with telling us that reviews are going to help you be legit. Are there any other things that help you increase your level on the charts? The charts are interesting because five plus years ago, people could actually see the charts fairly visibly in their Apple Podcasts app. And so a lot of hosts talked about this concept called the first eight weeks, getting into new and noteworthy. These are all myths in modern podcasting, but things you'll still see blog posts about. And to give the five-second version, there was this eight-week new podcast window where you were eligible to be featured in this certain part of Apple. That is no longer. But what I will say is that my podcast, Everything is Teachable, did become the number two career podcast in the US. And so we were on the chart and we were featured under best business podcasts in the US. And neither one of those had any impact on our download count. So the way that I see it, The charts are a sign of growth, but they do not influence your growth. And I think the best part about charting is that you can put it on your website and then you can say, we're a top 10 career podcast in the US. We're a top 200 podcast in swimming or your very niche category. And to wrap up my thoughts on charting, 
if you look into the world of uh, book marketing, choosing your category in Amazon, for example, has always been very strategic. And it's very similar for Apple. You want to pick a category that you fit in, but you want to pick the smallest category that you do still fit under because you can only chart in one category. So Mm. I think that it's important to know that number one, it's a strategic choice. And number two, Apple does not notify you of anything. So a free tool that you can use to track where you are on the charts is called Chartable. And that's the place that I use to get a weekly email about where my podcasts rank. Yeah. When I was first getting started, I had no idea what this meant, but we had ranked second for marketing in Canada. And of course, like the charts are always changing. I didn't, like you said, it had no relevance on increasing downloads or doing anything, but it was kind of like, oh, well, that's cool. And then of course, like the next week it changed. And so really, really interesting to go behind the scenes and just understand a little bit more about charting. Okay. So my final question is around the marketing funnel or customer value journey that you're building using your podcast. So how can you use your podcast as a marketing tool? And should you focus on subscribers to your email list? Or where do you typically drive people and use your podcast as a tool for marketing? Great question. I think there are a couple different great options and all hosts should try each one because I think different people may find success in different routes. Basically, the two main things that you can do are promote something free or promote something paid. So before we get into both of those, you'll notice neither one of those is technically sponsorship. I'm not a huge fan of the traditional sponsorship route where you get paid by somebody else for the opportunity for them to promote on your podcast. But there's a big difference between sponsorship and advertising. So sponsorship means that somebody is paying to advertise on your podcast, but you yourself can advertise for things on your podcast. You can create ad spots for your own business, your own products, or even products that you use, and you do not need to be paid for that. So one successful strategy that I see a lot of businesses, I think possibly including yours doing, is that you'll create a 30-ish second ad that talks about the business behind the podcast or a specific product if you're promoting something, whether it's a digital product or a physical product. And I think that works really well because a lot of podcasters I work with are really afraid of being salesy, which I know is a topic, of course, you chat about all the time. And the fear is, oh no, they're going to tune into this podcast and then they're going to hear me be all salesy and they're going to run away. But I think the key is just to keep it really short and contained into a very direct pitch and to not turn the whole episode into an infomercial. Like if you talk about your product for 10 minutes, people are of course going to leave, but you are solving exactly the problem that they came to you for. So it would actually be a disservice to your listeners to not tell them that you have something that can solve their problem. So that first strategy about creating an ad, maybe that is for you, maybe it's not. The other thing that you can do is create your content. And then at the end of the episode, you can say, by the way, if these tips on anxiety, let's say, were helpful for you, I do offer, this is fictional, like coaching services that could be helpful for you. Here's how you can book a free call to see if we're a fit for each other and then give a URL. So you can just make it a natural next step at the end of the conversation to offer your product, your coaching, your service, your course, whatever it might be. And I think to me, that's the sweet spot of if you're just getting started and selling is not comfortable for you, that's what I would do. And then the third category is something free. Sometimes you don't want to directly pitch on the podcast. And sometimes you may just want to test to see, does it make more sense to get them on the email list first? So PDFs, 
free master classes. One of my most successful opt-ins is actually a free quiz. Any of these can be used really well from a podcast. I will say you have to make it memorable enough that somebody would then either go to the show notes or type it in. So I would definitely recommend in all cases using a URL that's very easy to remember. And if it's a freebie, it has to still be beneficial. So for me, I have one that's a podcast launch checklist. Super clear why somebody might want that from me. The one that's more fun that I think actually gets more people to my website is this fun free quiz called the Podcast Host Advantage. And so they just go to my website and there's a free quiz button at the top, or I'll say it's at wittenwire.com slash quiz. And I think that works for a podcast listener because you have to remember that they may be multitasking. And I think that's one of the trickier parts about podcasting is yes, your relationship with them is super deep, but depending on what they're up to, they may not be in a place where they can actually interact with your website. And I bring that up to kind of close this section on uh, selling just because you have to tell it to them more than once. So if you're talking about a product or a service and you mention it in one episode and never again, the odds of you making sales are very low. So you do not have to sell in every single episode, but I do recommend having one call to action, whether it's a freebie or a clear product in each episode and focus on one thing per episode. So don't give them five things in every episode. Give them one thing for five episodes, but pick only one thing per episode, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally does. I love it. Thank you so much, Melissa. This has been so informative. I took so many notes. It blew my mind. Thank you so much for everything that you've provided. So where can people find you and connect with you? You can find me online at witandwire.com or on Instagram at witandwire or on YouTube. And if it's all right, I do have a free podcast launch checklist, the one that I just teased. So if you are interested in launching a podcast, you can find all kinds of things on my website, but that one is available at witandwire.com slash social selling. And you can check that out. And I do have a closing thought inspired by me listening to your hundredth episode, which is that we have talked a lot about metrics, growth, selling, and all of those are important. Money matters. I'm all about women earning money. So I'm here for that. But at the same time, one of the big, the biggest benefits I've had as a podcast host are just real connections with humans, connections with guests who have been on my podcast, connections with listeners who have responded to something, and just being able to build up your network as a business owner and being a podcast host, I think really enables those connections is huge. So I think that being a podcast host opens a lot of doors because now you have an opportunity. You have something that other people want to be involved with. And you never know which one of those connections can turn into a real friend outside of your business, can turn into a partnership that really accelerates your growth or just leads to something that you didn't even know that you were looking for. So there's a lot of humanity in the world of podcasting beyond just the metrics and the downloads. I love that. I couldn't agree with that more. Some of the best conversations and the best development that I've had is through the people that I've connected with and had the pleasure of interviewing. So, and definitely today's episode, it meets that high expectation I've learned to have with uh, connecting with people online and learning more about their business and all the things that they end up teaching myself and uh, my listeners. So thank you so much, Melissa, for being here today. I really, really appreciate your time and I look forward to having you back on the show. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. Thanks for taking the time to level up today. If you're ready to commit to personal and professional growth, move forward, make money and grow your health and fitness business, head to my free community on Facebook, Business Bootcamp for Fitness Coaches, so I can support you every step along the way. 
Thank you so much for tuning in today and we'll see you right back here next week on Social Selling Simplified.